Come to the table, he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. For God so
Your heart and me. 
sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope of no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains And my orphan heart was given a name My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance When death was arrested and my life began Oh, your grace, so She's over me You have made me new Now life begins with you It's your endless love Pouring down on us You have made us new From my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his friend. When death was arrested and my life began, oh, your grace so free washes over. Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested and my life began. Oh, you grace so free washes over.
was rich I remember who I was I was lost I was blind I was running out of time Sin separated The breach was far too wide But from the far side of the chasm You held me in your side So you made a way Across the great divide Left behind heaven's throne To build it here inside And there at the cross You paid the debt I owe Broke my chains, freed my soul For the first time I had hope Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white Into glorious life. You took my place, laid inside my tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, but then you walked right out again. And now death.
Good morning. Well, those were great songs, didn't you? Love, I just, uh, so thank you, Lord. Thank you, Roger, for listening for those songs this morning and preparing our hearts for, for his word. So um, I'm excited about this message today. Um, I learned so many things this, this week that I'm excited to share with you the things that God has helped me to see. So if you'll open your Bibles, we'll continue in John chapter 5. It's on page 1226 in our church Bibles. <clears throat> Pardon my scratchy voice this morning. I've got a little allergies going on. We've started using the fireplaces and in the winter and it's caused a little a little allergies, but so bear with me. John chapter 5. Last week we studied in John chapter 5 as well and we started off with uh, the story where Jesus comes to the pool of Bethesda and there is, a, as you remember, it's kind of almost uh, like the hospital. It's where everybody went that was sick or had disabilities or any kind of concerns. And um, he, he sees that so there's the lame man there. There, uh, there are blind people. There are paralyzed people. So he sees this one man, and he's been paralyzed for all of his life, for 38 years. And he... Um, comes to the man and uh, heals him and tells him, if you remember, to 
rise and take up your bed and walk. And we learned that this word rise was more than just get up, more than just stand up, but rather it was this call to spiritually awaken. And so he did heal him physically, but also spiritually. And you remember he found him later that day in the temple, and he said, go and sin no more, lest worse things would happen. And so we were um, drawn to this place to understand what sin has to do with sickness and disease and how it can affect our physical bodies and that it's a spiritual understanding. So he was helping the man to realize this and to be aware not to go back into the darkness and join up with that. So in that regard, we come to the end of that message or the end of that understanding, and we're going to start today with verse 15. <coughs> Excuse me. So verse 15, it says, The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. So I want to stop right there, just those two verses, and I want to spend a little bit of time talking about this very place. So Jesus has healed this man on the Sabbath, and the Jews, it says, sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. So because he had brought healing, the Jews sought to kill him. So let's look at a couple of other places. Let's look on page 1152, Mark 1. <clears throat> Mark 1. Page 1152. We're going to start in verse 21. It says, Then they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teachings. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For what authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Uh, now, as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew and with, jo uh, with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever. 
and they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served him. At the evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed, and he healed many. If you go on to read, you will see that again the Pharisees become very angry because he has cast out an unclean spirit on the Sabbath and then he's also healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. Now you'll notice in verse 32 it says, At evening when the sun had set, Sabbath was over. So then they brought to him all that were sick and those who were demon-possessed, and he healed them all. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't really care whether the sun set or the sun didn't set, did he? He was healing on the Sabbath. He was casting out demon possession on the Sabbath. And on the next day, and on the next day, and on the next day. Let's look at a couple of more places. Turn with me to Luke 13. I'm sorry, it's on page 1201. Luke 13, page 1201. I love that everyone has a chance to see what the Word says, so it's important that we look at each one of these verses. So page 1201, Luke 13, we're going to start in verse 10 says, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. So it's the Sabbath again. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way rise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, she call, uh, he called her to him and said, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So Jesus heals again on the Sabbath. Now let's look over a page to Luke 14, starting in verse 1. It says, Now it happened... As he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely. And behold, there was a certain man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus, answering, spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So now he's throwing this back to them. But they kept silent, and he took him and healed him and let him go. Then he answered them, saying, Which of you, having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit, will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him regarding these things. So he told them a parable. 
We won't read the parable right now. But Jesus, again, healed this man who had dropsy. Dropsy, it's kind of like when uh, uh, edema, when you have swelling of your hands and swelling of your feet and swelling in your legs. Oftentimes today, we know this is something that occurs when you have congestive heart problems. So possibly this person had some kind of heart disease, we don't know. But he did have this swelling and fluid in his body. That's what dropsy is. And Jesus comes and heals him. But he asks the Pharisees, because he knows what's in their hearts. He knows that they're not okay, that he's healing on the Sabbath. And he says, you know, if your donkey falls into the pit, are you not going to go get him out? And they don't even answer because they really don't have an answer for him. <clears throat> Turn with me to um, John 9, so on page 1233, a few pages over. starting in verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but, the works of, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me, while it is day, the night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground, made clay with the saliva, and anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors... And those who, who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened the eyes and opened his eyes. So again, we see that Jesus has healed on the Sabbath. The last one I want us to look at is Matthew 12. It's on page 1124. <clears throat> and each one of these times, if you continue to read in the chapter, you will see that the Pharisees become very angry and want to kill him. <clears throat> so starting in verse 1, chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain field on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain to eat. 
And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How they entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priest. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogues, and behold, there was a man with a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? He said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if he falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Or how, many, how much more value is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he stretched out the man, I'm sorry, then he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went and out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. Okay, Jesus is going about and he's healing over and over again. He's allowed his disciples to pluck the grain and to eat it. And these things are done on the Sabbath. It looks to the Pharisees as if Jesus is dishonoring God's Sabbath. So the question I think we start with today is was Jesus breaking the Sabbath? Because sometimes people will use these very scriptures to say that we're no longer under God's commandments and laws that you can see that Jesus didn't even honor the Sabbath. And it kind of looks that way. It certainly looks that way to the Pharisees. And that's why they're choosing to want to destroy him. But I want to go back and look and see if Jesus is actually dishonoring the Sabbath, okay? So turn with me. Let's start. And um, let's start with Exodus 20. It's on page 83. Lots of reading today, but I think it's important that we see the scripture and what exactly it says. So Exodus 20, it's on page 83. <clears throat> this is where we, if we wanted to find the law, this is part of the law. So we would go and this is what the Pharisees would know well. They would know the law of Moses and this is what they're holding Jesus accountable to right here. So starting in verse 8, 
this is what we would call the Ten Commandments. So if you're reading down, this is the, the uh, starting in uh, verse 8, it's going to be the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall work and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your sons, nor your daughters, nor your male servants, nor your female servants, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. All right, let's see what the law is telling us so to begin with it starts off in verse 8 it says to remember so the first thing that is part of the law of honoring the sabbath is to remember the sabbath day and to keep it holy what does that mean set apart so it would be a set apart day you would remember it so the very first thing is that it is to be remembered and set apart. The second thing it says is to keep it holy, right? There's that second part, to be remembered and to be set apart, to keep it holy. Then the third thing is, is down just a little bit, um, let's see, oh, I'm sorry, in verse 9, it says, six days you shall labor, and do all your work. But the seventh day, you shall do no work in verse 10. It says, in it you shall do no work. So those are the three things that are the requirement to keep the law of the Sabbath. Remember it. Keep it holy. And to do no work. All right, turn with me to Deuteronomy 5. It's on page 208. While you're turning there, I want to remind you <clears throat> that Daniel taught us several months ago about this word Sabbath. And Sabbath does mean to rest, but it really means much more than resting as we think of resting. If you remember, Daniel taught us that what this word really means in the Hebrew is to cease to stop so Sabbath means to stop I want you to keep that in your mind all right let's look at verse 12 in Deuteronomy 5 it says observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you six days you shall work and do all your work but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God in it you shall do no work, you nor your son, 
nor your daughter, nor your male servants, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. That is your male servant, that your male servant and your female servants may rest as well. Do no work. Remember, this one actually uses the word observe. So it says observe the Sabbath day in verse 12. This is a word that we looked at. Daniel taught us um, shamar. Do you remember this word? Back a, a while back, it means to keep, to guard, to preserve. Shamar. To guard. It's often found and used with the commandments, that we would guard the commandments. And that is what he's saying with this place right here, that we would guard this place. All right. Now I want to look at um, Genesis 2. So go with me up to page 2. Genesis 2. Because we see what it's telling us in the law to guard it, to remember it, that it should be set apart and holy, and that you should do no work. So both of the places in the law, in Exodus and in Deuteronomy, are telling us those things. Let's see where Sabbath began and what God was telling us there. So let's start with uh, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2. God has created all things for six days, even mankind. And now we come to verse 2. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested, he Sabbathed on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then he blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because it, in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. All right, a couple of things are really important here. So on the seventh day, he's finished creating all the creation. Mankind, all the animals, everything, the earth, everything, the heavens, everything is finished. And it says he rested, but it doesn't mean he went and took a nap. Because when we think about resting and we think about Sabbath, we think, okay, I'm going to have a day off. This is going to be my day off. In fact, I've even heard people teach that you can Sabbath any day you want to and rest on it because God knew we needed a rest for our body. That is the furthest thing from biblical truth that there is. So wash that out of your heads. It is not about you having a day off at all. And it wasn't that God was tired. This place where it says he Sabbath, he, he came and Sabbath, he rested, is talking about he stopped. Remember Daniel talked to us about that. He ceased creating. But it only says that that's what he did. He didn't stop everything that he was doing. I want you to hear this because at the end of verse 3 it says he rested and he rested from what? He stopped from what? He stopped from his work 
which God had created and made. Now, this is most important that you grab hold of this right here. Because it does not say that God stopped working from everything. But that's the idea that we get when we use rested. But if you understand, he stopped and he ceased what he was doing in creating. He's done with that. And then he says he blessed it and he sanctified. What does that mean? Set it apart. Made it holy. All right. <clears throat> let's go back. I should have had you put a marker here. But let's go back to John chapter 5 on page 1226. Page 1226, John 5. Because while you're turning there, you see, the situation is, is they believe, the Pharisees believe, that Jesus is working on the Sabbath. Because... They, they saw the law of Moses, they've studied the law of Moses, and they have now made their own laws to go with God's laws to help protect and guard God's laws. So they, they've read the law, and it says, do no work. Okay? So the Pharisees went in and said, okay, folks, the law says do no work. Here's what that means. And so they began to set up all of these laws. Today, there are 39 categories of different kinds of work laws to keep you or to keep them from actually breaking this law. It's so interesting because our, our oven broke at the house or actually caught on fire about a week ago. And uh, fortunately, Raj was there. We got it all taken care of. It was inside the oven, so it didn't get outside the oven. But it was a little uh, hair-raising for me. <laughs> when you turn the oven off and it catches on fire instead. And uh, I thought, this is not good. But Raj came and took care of it. And, uh, and he's found us another oven. But he told me to go in and start looking for the one that I would like to buy. Well, interestingly enough, I started looking for these ovens and reading all the details of what you're getting, you know, with these bells and whistles. On several ovens, it had a Shabbat function so that you would not be working on Shabbat if you needed to cook. Because one of these 39 categories is it cannot be any, you can't do anything that would ignite. Because if you ignite something, it's what? It's creating energy that is working. Do you see how they got to this? So not to so that you could go ahead and eat on 
uh, Shabbat, they've created these fancy stoves that you can put the food in there, and all by itself, it is timed that on Shabbat, it no longer has to be told to turn on. You simply tell it what temperature you want it to be. And at the end of Shabbat, that little baby goes off. Now we laugh at this because to us that is absurd. And yet I just told you what's being taught in the church of what Shabbat is. That you can pick any day you want and call it a Sabbath. That's just as ridiculous. It's untruth. So I see the heart of the Pharisees. They're wanting to protect people from breaking God's laws. So they've guarded this by making up all these other laws. But the fact of the matter is they've lost the heart of the Father as they've made up these laws. So look with me what Jesus says to them. In chapter 5, let's read again where we were starting in verse 15 so this flows together. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. <clears throat> For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. You see, one of the categories is of not working is you can't treat somebody medically because it's work. So in their minds, healing would be working. Verse 17 says, But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I've been working. Well, isn't that interesting? Jesus says, listen, my father has been working until now. And I've been working. Well, two things happen here. First of all, he's saying, you know this. And they did know this. You see, they understood that what God was talking about is that he was ceasing from his creation the work on his creation. They didn't think he had stopped at all of just doing anything. Let me see. I have a scripture for you. Maybe I didn't write it down. Oh, yes, I did. Thank you, Lord. It's uh, Hosea 6. I want you to put your marker here because we're going to come right back to this. But turn with me to page 1043. <clears throat> No, that's not it. Hold on just a second. I'm sorry. Maybe I didn't write this down. I wanted you to see where they understood that. Okay, it is. I, here it is. Try Deuteronomy. It's on page 242. 
Thank you, Lord. I have so many scriptures because I saw how confusing this had gotten, and I wanted you to see all these places. So Deuteronomy is on page 242, chapter 32. going to start in verse 39. Deuteronomy 32, 39 says, Now see that I, even I am, he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. For I raise my hand to heaven and say, as I live forever. We'll stop there. This is, you can go on. But here's what I want you to see. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm God. I can do whatever I want to do. I am doing. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. And yet the very thing that they're coming and upset with Jesus about is that he's healing. Why? Because they don't believe he's God. You see, God could heal. But Jesus, there's where the situation lies. So Jesus, knowing that, answers it for him. In verse 17 of chapter Five in John, so go back to your marker on page 1226. He knows that the Pharisees know that God's still working. He's doing all the time. And Jesus answers them and says to them, my father, first of all, he says, God and he's saying, that's my father. Has been working until now, and I have been working. So now he has made himself equal to God. Now, not only are they mad that he's healing on the Sabbath, but they understand exactly what he is saying. He's saying, and now you're saying you are God. Go on and read in verse 18. It says, therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Now they're really mad because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. You see, they knew that if you're saying that God is your father, then you are a deity. And you are saying you are a God as well. And this upset their whole understanding of who God is. They didn't believe Jesus was God. A deity. The God. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob.
the thing about it is that Jesus is trying to understand or help them to understand is exactly that, is who he is and why he has authority. But then beyond that, to understand the heart of Sabbath. So I want to read a little further with you, starting in verse 19. And we're going to read down for a little bit. And then I want you to look at a couple of other things with me. So starting in 19, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father doing. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. So he's saying, the Son does nothing on his own. He only does what the Father is doing. Because what Jesus is explaining and what we understand, but what the Pharisees did not understand, is that God and Jesus are one. So absolutely, if they're one and they're connected as one, then whatever the right hand does, the left hand goes and does with it. But if they're not connected, they do their own things. But if they're one, they go together. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying most assuredly, and I want to tell you, I love this most assuredly. I, I, I learned a little bit about that too. This most assuredly, and Joe, you would know this. It, it, those words are amen, amen. You know, sometimes I believe we use the words amen so casually that we forget what it means. But it's really a bold statement. And, and sometimes it says in your Bible, it may say verily, verily, or it may say truly, truly. But, but I don't think any of these words, even most assuredly, I don't think they really express the fullness of what amen, amen means. Because what it is saying is, may it be so. May it absolutely be so. May you know this is truth. And, but when he uses the same word twice, John is writing amen and amen twice, he is saying that because he's saying, you have no idea how true this is. This is so powerfully important, he's saying. So that's what Jesus is using those words and saying this is so important. You have to grab hold of this. Amen, amen, he's saying. I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do for whatever he does, whatever the Father does, the Son does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. You see, they're one. He's saying, whatever the Son and the Father see, the Son sees, whatever the Father sees, the Son sees. Whatever the Father does, the Father does. They are one. And this is so you can marvel. What does that mean? Not go, oh, yay. No, marvel that this truth is known. 
that it may be so that you would understand that Jesus and God are one. He's trying to say, you've searched the scriptures all of your life. You don't understand what they were saying. All right, let's go on. It says, for as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. That all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Now he's really saying, you don't honor the Son, then you're really, you're not honoring the Father. This is stepping so on their toes. They are, they are not seeing this. Then he comes again with this, amen, amen. Most assuredly, amen, amen. I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. And shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Wow. With such authority, he comes and makes this declaration. Here it is again. Amen, amen. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming. And now is. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in him, so he has granted the Son to give, to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the grave will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. If you think about it, it I mean, everything he is saying is exactly what we come to believe. As, as Christians, he can do nothing on his own. And he doesn't seek his own will, but only the will of the Father who sent me. I want you to hear that. That's going to be important in a minute. Verse 31, if I bear witness of myself, I must, I'm sorry. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me. I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. Uh, and he goes on and he speaks of his witness through John. I want to show you a couple of other things right here. Okay, look down at verse 39. It says, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. He's saying, you know all the scriptures. You've studied. You're a Pharisee. You know the scriptures. You've studied everything, and you think you've figured it all out. And he says, but you, you don't understand. They testify 
of who I am. You've missed it. I hope that we might take this section maybe next week and look at at this place of testifying to who he is. But what I want to go back to is what our message is today and this place of breaking the Sabbath, of breaking the laws of the Sabbath and what Sabbath really means. So in this place where we see Jesus has answered their concern about the fact that he is breaking the Sabbath by coming back and helping them to see that the Father is working and that he has the authority to be working as well. So we understand real clearly Jesus never broke the Sabbath, right? Because we read and never did it say in any place that you couldn't be healing on the Sabbath, did it? It said, do not work. This word work is a Hebrew word that means exactly what it is translated as. It means work. It means your job. It means your occupation. It means do not do what you do on six days. Cease from that. Stop from that. So I've been asking the Lord all week, isn't that interesting, Lord, that that's what you're trying to say? Is that, is that it? Is all you're trying to say is, okay, remember it, guard the Sabbath, set it apart, make it holy, okay, and don't do your work. Is that really what you're trying to say to us? Because it just wouldn't settle in my head. And I think he began to finally help me to see in this place of what God was doing in creation to where we can come and join him in how to celebrate his Sabbath. So I wrote a few things down so I wouldn't get things off. And um, so Sabbath is a time where we can stop all our working, our working in the ways we want to have our life to be, in the things we want to be done, in the things we're creating. You see, our jobs define who we kind of are. It's a place that we establish who we're going to be in life, how much money we're going to make, where we're going to live, what we're going to do. They all are intertwined in this place. I believe what God is saying to us is that we can cease from our own creating of who we want to be to join up with him in what he's doing. You see, God's picture in Sabbath is he stopped creating. I 
I could see that so clearly. You want me to quit trying to make me be, Lord. You want me to be who you desire for me to be, who you want me to be, doing what you have for me to do. Isn't that what Jesus was saying? The son does nothing. He was giving us an example. He says the son does nothing. He, he doesn't even do his, he doesn't even seek his own will. Only the will of the father, only what the father is doing. That is how he's honoring Sabbath. He helped me see this a little more clearly. If you look, um, hold your page here. I want to go back to Matthew 12. Let me see what page that was on. Uh, 1124. I read this to you a while ago, but I want you to see this last thing, and then we'll tie it all together. <clears throat> 11, page 1124. Matthew 12, verse 7. <clears throat> you want a place to read? Go back and read particularly this place in uh, Matthew 12 and then in John 5 and see how all this comes together. Because if you remember just a minute ago, Matthew is writing here about how Jesus... Um, takes his disciples and they're walking through the grain field and they begin to pluck some grain and eat it. And the Pharisees are all up in arms because why? Because they think they're working. You see, they've plucked harvest. They've rubbed it together. They've been thrashing to get the grain out. And they pluck it all off and, and get all the, the nasty holes out. That's, uh, you know, winnowing. And yet, all they were doing was just getting a, a few bites to eat as they go along. They really weren't working, were they? And Jesus was okay with it. But it could have been defined as work if this is what they were doing every day. You see, if this was their job, maybe that would have looked a little different, right? But no, that's not what Jesus is saying. You're missing the spiritual understanding, Pharisees. He says, it's like David. You remember David and he and his men are going on this journey and they become hungry and it's on Sabbath and there's nothing open. So he goes to the temple and he asks the priest, and he said, do you have anything to feed my men? They're very hungry. And the priest goes, well, all, all I've got is the, the showbread. And David says, well, and he says, I can give you five loaves of that. Well, it totally is wrong because the priests were all that were supposed to eat of that bread. But the priest's heart saw the goodness of the situation and his heart had compassion. And he said, well, are your, are your men, are the, have they been sanctified for the last few days? Because you're not supposed to eat the showbread unless you're 
in a state where you've not been with a woman and, and you've not been doing sinful things? Are, are they sanctified? And David said, oh, yeah, they're sanctified. They've been with me, you know. We've been on this journey. He said, okay, then let them have this bread. So on one hand, you see the heart of the priest was like, okay, they're in a desperate situation. These men are hungry. Now, they weren't dying, but they were hungry. And he says, and I have something I can feed them. It's all I have. But I can give that to them. The other side is we see the Pharisees. These guys are walking through the fields, and they have a few bites of grain, and the Pharisees are all up in arms. And we see the heart of the Pharisees. And it's all over this place of Sabbath. And they're coming to Jesus angry because they're saying, how do you let your people do these things? And how do you heal on the Sabbath? And what's going on? You're breaking all the laws. And I think we'll find another nugget right here in verse 7 of chapter 12. He says, but if you had known what this means, and he quotes, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, the innocent. He says, if you'd understood what was being written in my scripture right here, then you wouldn't have gotten off track. That's what he's saying. So this comes from Hosea 6. Let's look at that. It's on page Verse 6 says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. What Jesus said to them is, You have gotten this understanding of Sabbath all confused in your head for one reason. You don't understand my desire for mercy, not sacrifice. This word mercy, I love this, is a word that Daniel taught year year ago maybe. This uh, hesed love, do you remember that? Hesed love. It's the same thing that in the New Testament would be the same understanding of this agape love. This place of, of mercy, of kindness, of of compassion, of of desire to help someone and look after and meet their needs. Jesus is saying, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and, and that you have the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. How do we sanctify, how do we set apart Sabbath? How do we guard Sabbath? It 
It's in your heart. I see exactly what Jesus was saying. And he's saying, you know, on these things, I'm not doing anything that I want to do. I'm doing what the Father desires for me to do. Could Sabbath be a time that we would actually begin to practice what we should be living every days of our lives? That we would come and be able to have mercy and compassion and love and kindness for whatever God is doing that we could join up in. You see, Jesus went about on the Sabbath healing because God was having compassion for the person who was in the situation. Yes, he had compassion on Tuesday and Wednesday as well. But the Sabbath was given for man, right? Why? thought about that a lot. Why was it given for man? Some would say so you can have a day of rest. No. Because God knew we needed a place to challenge our hearts, to begin to seek out and understand these deeper spiritual truths that we might begin to practice what our life should look like as a place of truly walking in a place of where we've ceased creating our own lives. And we walk doing just what he does. So on my Sabbath, what would that look like, Lord? If we put away our, all our desires and looked for just what you're doing on this one day. Just what you're doing. You know, the first thing that probably comes to your mind is you go, well, so do we just sit down and, and just wait because we don't know what God's doing? What if he doesn't show us anything? Do we just sit in the chair all day? Boy, aren't we Pharisees? <laughs> Anybody else have these thoughts? And you go, Lord, how does this look? And he said, you know, if you begin to ask me and your heart desires to be in this place, do you think I'll show you? I thought, sure. Sure. I don't know what it might look like in your life. You see, what I learned this week, there are no laws. Observe it. Remember it. Set it apart. Stop. That's the law. But how to actually work that out is going to be between you and God. 
I don't think it's going to be the same for any of us. Just as I see that Jesus healed different people, different places, doing different things, but all in the spiritual world for the glory of God. I see that Sabbath is not a burden. As it was when the Pharisees were making all these laws, how hard was it to think, oh, I can't touch the elevator door or button because, you know, that would be causing some work and so I can't do that. Oh, I can't cook today. i got to cook tomorrow because, you know, we're not going to be able to cook. And exhausting. How exhausting it would be. But I see when we come in alignment with God's truth that it is so refreshing and exciting to see what God might take you on on the journey of Sabbath teachings that would go beyond just Sabbath, would be a lifestyle change. You see, I think there's many pictures in Sabbath. I think it can also be a picture of eternity. Certainly it will be. That we will come and we will leave this world. We'll stop what we were doing on this world, right? And we'll go to only do what God is doing in eternity. Absolutely. But where does that start? I believe it starts today. In this world on Sabbaths. By the way, if anybody says that wants to know where Sabbath, what day it is, it's the seventh day of the week. It starts on Friday night. And it runs through Saturday at sundown. It is not Sunday. I know that um, many people have tried to make Sabbath that it's uh, changed from Saturday to Sunday. That is not true. It's not in the Bible. And it was never, never done. And maybe one day we'll teach on how all that got changed and confused. But today, what we need to know is that it starts Friday night and runs through Saturday night. Wonder how God might allow you to guard that time for him and what he might show you in those places. I pray that this has been a... a an an awesome message that will change your understanding. And I pray it will excite you over what God might be doing. So please stand with me and we'll praise the Lord. become my desire.
Search me and know me. 